We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. All right. The live show for this week. For this week, we have Mike, he, him, and Ward, he, him, from the Shut Podcast. We got Nick, he, him, and Steve, he, him, from the Intervention Podcast. We got Brandon, he, him, from the Cars of Comrades Podcast. We got Rick, he, him, from the Decolonized Buffalo Podcast. Christian, he, him, from the Root for Lennon YouTube channel. And we got Jamie, she, her, from the Transex Bombshell Twitch channel and Instagram. How's everybody doing? Happy 9-11, guys. Rip Salvador Allende, man. Exactly. Yeah, that's actually what I wanted to start with. If we're going to talk about 9-11, we should actually just remember Salvador Allende. Like, first and foremost, like, that is the real 9-11. Yeah. It's not, it's not a real 9-11 unless it's done to America. Like, nothing's real unless we're the focal point. That's, that's the point you're missing. We invaded an island country in the Caribbean because we thought 13 college students' lives were in danger, you know? Oh, and that's totally wrapped up into the queen and the commonwealth and everything which we should come back exactly. to later as well <laughs> absolutely i think those will be the main two topics tonight right we're gonna talk about 9-11 and of course bye bye lizzie dude and why is he still alive would you say kissinger award yeah why is he still alive that motherfucker <laughs> it's the lizard blood i mean so what are everybody's thoughts i guess on the american 9-11 of course like that's the that's the big thing we were talking about a little bit before we actually started the recording and it's like I have mixed thoughts on what it could have been and like how involved the American government was, but there's literally nothing that you could put past the American government in my eyes. Like you could describe any level of conspiracy and I would believe that they had the capability. Whether or not that actually happened is an entirely different story, but uh, what do you get, Nick? Yeah. So, I mean, because I've gone down the rabbit hole before as well, like trying to determine whether it's an inside job as we all have. Right. And I guess at the end of the day, why I stopped trying to do that as much is because it I guess where I come from with it is whether they did it or they didn't do it, they got what they wanted, you know, which was, you know, the patriotism, the manufacturing of consent for, you know, the war on terror, just another forever war. So, you know, whether they did it or not, they got what they wanted at the end of the day. And here we are. So, I mean, and I'm not like, it's fun to go down those rabbit holes, but I guess just at the end of the day with the most evil empire in the world, like, again, the outcome is still the same, no matter which way it goes from the onset. Yeah, it's not like people are rising up against the government if they suddenly decided that it was an inside job. It's like nothing actually changes. And I think that's actually a good take from uh, Matt Christman because he did some episodes about conspiracy theories in general. It's like there's literally no information that you could present to everyone that would cause some kind of spontaneous uprising. So what is the point? What is the point of all these conspiracy theories at the end of the day? Uh, what you really need is just mass class consciousness. That's the more important aspect of it. But, I don't know. Anybody else have any thoughts? Not, um, not to derail it too far, but just coming from a project manager background and knowing how impossible it is to get five or 10 people to coordinate on one single project, just the amount of coordination <laughs> that, it would, that it would have to be undertaken for some kind of conspiracy to actually be, you know, factual is just, it's, it, it just doesn't add up. If, if anybody's even tried to organize people to do a board game night, you know, just about how impossible it is to get people to agree on things. So I just, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, like, I agree with that vehemently because the amount of moving parts involved to discreetly install like that level of explosives and blah, 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 blah. It's, it's a serious undertaking. And then you've got to keep all of those people quiet. Like, 
just not happening. It's it's like the uh, we never landed on the moon conspiracy theory that somehow involves the entirety of NASA, like never yeah. once mentioning it. Like, sure, you have evidence that doesn't make any sense, but do you have any proof? I saw a tweet just today that somebody was like, what was that in the background of uh, China's mission to the moon recently? They're like, I bet you that's the set where they faked the first moon landing. <laughs> but it was on the moon. Oh, yeah. I want the conspiracy theory for the moon landing to be that, like, they built a set for the fake moon landing, but they built it on the moon. That would actually be perfect. We've just always been on the moon. That That's the conspiracy. Yeah, they just over-budgeted. So they're just like, okay, hey, um, got a few thousand dollars left. We're just going to make a whole set on the moon. Ooh, what? It, it's, it's okay. If we don't spend it, we're not getting it next year. I also want to caveat my position by stating that, you know, despite that, you know, thing that I stated, I don't put anything past like the government, you know, this, this state to do, as we were talking about earlier, to do like evil shit, you know, because like, again, because we can get into this place where when we're talking with liberals, we get accused of being like conspiratorial and shit like that. But there's tons of stuff that we can prove that is just as, if not way more evil, well, definitely way more evil than what That's what fucking sucks about being on the left is you start spouting like really wild conspiracy theories, except like your evidence is like stacks of CIA documents and still people just won't believe you. Yeah. I mean, in the case of like human life, for example, like in my native Ethiopia, like the dictatorship, well, there's a new one, but that pretends to be anti-Western, anti-imperialist, but it's a fraud. It's like Turkey when they have their you know, monthly uh, showdowns with America or the West diplomatically, but they still serve U.S. imperialism in Syria. Um, in Ethiopia, when the TPLF were in power, which me and Mike had a, a podcast on, um, one of the uh, health the health minister there, he's now the president of the WHO, and he covered up with the help of America a cholera outbreak that killed 150,000 people. So it's like, but like. You have to understand, may have been not been coordinated. I don't deny that the argument's valid, but it's like, you're talking about the CIA, you're talking about the U.S. imperialist global, you know, uh, security apparatus, that maybe you could say it would be hard for them to do it amongst Americans, but globally, they've done worse 10 times over. You know what I mean? Like, it was only... Um, exposed when he was running for president, and it was mostly Western and American PR firms like that went into PR overdrive trying to defend it, saying, "Oh, it was a cause of waterborne diarrhea, blah blah blah." Oh, it was the dictatorship, and it's like, well, you were the health minister of the dictatorship, and now you're running for the UN. You know, after you were released in 2015 for almost uh, five years, you didn't say anything. You know what I mean? So it's like. It's been completely put under the, the fucking, uh, what do you call, curtain. So it's like, yeah. oh my God. Like, you know, even if there was an island that was done by the government, it still wouldn't even come close to what the CIA or the U.S. does globally. Like, there's a, there's a meme on the internet. If you saw, there's like a picture of the Twin Towers. And they said, like, it's like once every month, every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really like a reference to the death toll of the civilians of Iraq. One and a half million, meaning that we would have to have a 9-11 every month, every year for 23 years straight. I think it is something like it's like one of those things. Yeah. Ricky has something. Yeah. yeah so, you know, we have to remember that, you know, 
I do agree that um, the government, like the, you know, conspiracy theories is based on you know assumptions and maybe some some facts or some evidence, right? And um, so we had the thing about just like recently, the U.S. government denied they had a, a, a bio warfare um, labs in Ukraine, and then later on it came out they had bio labs in Ukraine, right? <laughs> So when it comes to the same thing with uh, the, the death of, of Osama, like they're saying like the Navy SEALs killed Osama. The next thing you know, the Navy SEALs um, that killed Osama magically died in Afghanistan, right? And then later on, some Navy SEALs that came out like months later saying, oh, I was there when I killed Osama, but I thought you died. You know, yeah. some weird shit going on. So um, I have my own personal stories of um, cover-ups I have seen while I was in the Army. Right, I don't, I don't like talking about in public. We can talk about any on private, <laughs> but 100%. These things do, do get covered up, and they never get spoken about ever again. I do believe, in my opinion, that the government had some say or some intelligence on 9/11. It has to be. There has to be, right? You know, and it, it, it might take a lot of people, but when you work with military people or with CIA, they 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 know how to keep quiet, right? That's their job. Right. It's, it's intelligence. And, you know, just like the stuff that I've seen, you know, when I was overseas, I, I know people. I mean, like, I'm surprised I Googled this stuff that I saw. I, it's nowhere on the news, but I, I saw it with my own eyes. Right. So it, it's it should happen like that. So I think I, in my point of view, they did. They, they, we were the U.S. government were involved in 9-11. So, so my, um, <clears throat> my own opinion. Yeah, thank you. Word, uh, I'll be with you, and then Brandon has something as well. Yeah, I'm willing to accept the highest level conspiracy theory that says, like, oh, the U.S. government did absolutely everything. Because, yeah. like, we did how many episodes on Gladio, and we sounded insane the entire time. So, when like, you're done, like, we, we're just getting started. Yeah, so, like, even if somebody's telling me, like, yeah, like, they planted all the explosives in uh, Building 7, you know, the one that wasn't hit by the plane, I'm willing to accept that. Absolutely. And especially like knowing the kind of people like the studies that come out, like the kind of people that get selected for intelligence agencies, like they're all like highly religious, like conservative, like obey orders, love strict guidelines, don't question authority. Like they're perfect for this type of shit. I, I do want to say that when you talk about this stuff, you sound crazy. The stuff that I saw, I tell people. A lot of people just, you know, like they just push me aside, like, oh, you're crazy. Show me a news article or show me this. I'll tell them I can't, but I was there. I saw it. I saw the paperwork, right? And that's the problem we have is it's hard to, is to prove these things that, you know, we, we, we <laughs> it's just hard to prove, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, this is, it's all pretty clear, like just the stuff that we know the United States government has done in our history. We certainly can't put it past them for this to be within the scope of things that they would do. So I, I, I do want to say that I, I don't rule it out that they may have had more involvement than, than what anyone knows. But I also kind of just think a lot of it ends up being like ignorance or miscalculation or just flat out lack of ability. Uh, I credit a lot of it to that as well. The single most radicalizing book for me that I've ever read was The Jakarta Method. That was what opened my eyes to the absolute like horrors that the U.S. is willing to perpetrate. It 
also opened my eyes to like the methods and techniques that they're willing to use. Like they really are effective at not having a lot of, of moving parts. What their favorite thing to do is to push that first domino and to a lot of what they do is just figuring out what that domino is. Like what is going to have the ripple effect that gets them what they want. So yeah, I'm, I'm not inclined to believe that, that we actually did it ourselves because it's a lot of moving parts, but do I believe that we uh, have created an entire empire that has spent decades making sure that something like that was always on the back burner for when we needed it? Fuck yeah. Like, 100%. That's, that's what, like, if that isn't what happened in that exact case, then it's happened a hundred other times that we don't know about. Well, I mean, to the point of, like, setting off the chain reaction. I mean, look at what's going on right now, right? I mean, look at Russia and Ukraine, right? Look at Taiwan. That's an intentional provocation of China. They want China to react when Pelosi want, yeah. goes to Taiwan, right? Like, they want that to happen. It's very clear. Like, Biden saying that, oh, you know, we don't, we, we don't condone this. That's a fucking bunch of bullshit, right? Like, we all know that. But just to that point of, like, you know, they'll, they'll push as much as they can and they'll leverage their position in the world, you know, more than anything to achieve their ends. And it doesn't matter who gets left behind or who gets fucking killed. It's, it's the, I'm not touching you approach to world diplomacy. Like just yeah, put your yeah. index finger, like a half an inch away from someone's nose. And then when they hit you, you can claim innocence. No, put your 900 military bases a half inch away from their borders. And then, Oh, that that's less metaphor and, and more literal, but yes. <laughs> I wanted to see if anybody else had any other takes on 9-11. We could move on to the queen. Steve, I, I kind of wanted to ask you, like, just being the only person not from the U.S., what's, like, the outside of the U.S. take on 9-11? Like, how crazy do you guys think we are for even thinking it would be an inside job? Or, like, is there an international take of, like, do you guys just assume that it was, that we did to ourselves? I mean, I would say the majority of my friends who are, like, more liberal would, would think that we're crazy with the, the shit we're saying now. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I just, I think certainly at the time it was... Uh, there was a lot of sympathy and because I mean, I was, I guess I was about 20 when it happened. Uh, I was telling Nick today earlier and even now, I mean, I, I don't think people talk about it that much. It's just like, you know, shit happens all over the world all the time. Like we've talked about already and one event because it's like the one time something's happened in America. Most other countries just kind of think, well, this shit happens all the time everywhere. So you should probably just get over it. I think that's kind of an opinion as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think most people, especially in England, would be more or are pretty sympathetic to the U.S. and don't think it's an inside job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would be willing to entertain the entire possibility that it just happened as planned. And it literally was just a result of the U.S. fucking around for decade after decade and then finally yeah. finding out like that is entirely possible. And I also realized right after I said that, Steve, that Christian is also not from the U.S. And I just yeah. forgot about it because he doesn't have his video on. But uh, Christian, do you have any other take on 11 before we move on to the Queen? I would say that, like, when it comes to when it comes to nine eleven, uh, one has to pragmatically like remember that you know um, even amongst the bourgeois liberal and conservative factions of America's political political system, even they were questioning how rational the mainstream position was. So. I kind of refuse the label of conspiracy theorists because if you look up the consensus of Republicans and Democrats and then average Americans, 
the majority of them believe that the government was responsible for it. Mm. So it's like, as an American Marxist Leninist, you know, I, and I'm not trying to push back on what you're saying, Mike, but it's like, I think one thing that can help Americans understand the capitalist system is how the military industrial complex radically and massively benefited from the 9-11 terrorist attack. I mean, look at how all these uh, air warning, motion sensors, I mean, like the boomerang, there's a special system that detects bullets coming from different directions. That was that, That's R&D money, research, research and development money. Came right after 9-11, you know? Like in South Africa, for example, the economy jumped by 10% because they were selling weapons to the United States, all these fancy, fancy weapon systems. So it's like, there's like a profit almost to what to 9-11, you know? So that's why I think it was, in fact, a... a controlled event just to justify you know u.s imperialist aggression not even almost man that's gotta be one of the most profitable events in capitalist history oh yeah i mean the military industrial complex made a trillion dollars since uh 2003 you know well that's the other thing about it right that's just the nature of the entire complex itself is that even if you just assumed the lowest level like zero conspiracy involved and it just was the result of the u.s inserting itself in the middle east where it didn't belong and then it was the come up instead it deserves. Um, even if you just assume that is the case, the U.S. still profited off it because that is the complex that is set up. Every event that happens, you have the ability to profit off it, use it to your ends to, you know, expand government power. Uh, we all could talk about the Patriot Act all day, I'm sure, but that is what you do. And I'll try to make a really uh, clumsy segue here and say that my favorite take that I've seen about the Queen's death is that the financial crisis or the economic crisis and people not being able to afford their heating bills is inconsequential compared to this. And I think that that's great because obviously the Queen's death is not a conspiracy. It's not something that the government orchestrated so that they can get people to not worry about the fact that they are going to be probably hungry and cold this coming winter. Um, but they still will profit off of it in that same way by just shifting the media cycle away from that and just talking about the Queen nonstop. But what do you have, Nick? I mean, I don't want to disrupt the segment. I'm going to try to thread both of these needles right so well i guess <laughs> i guess my point was more about like i think he i think uh we were talking specifically about a technology with the boomerang effect but it reminded me of amisa's heirs um discourse on colonialism and like the boomerang effect that's like imperialism right so to try to thread both of these things right like so there could there is a scenario where it's like you were talking about 9-11 was like the result of us fucking around and find out like you know the result of our fucking overseas interventionism coming out and like actually like impacting people again assuming that the government was not involved at all right but then think about like what's happened after after the fact right like we deploy all this technology we ramp up all this technological development for weapons and arms and shit like that right now we have a bona fide fucking surveillance state which has been in the works since literally like the late 1800s right with which was originally deployed in the philippines and shit like that right so again we're feeling all these effects of imperialism right and then when you're talking about what's going on in england right now and they're trying to divert attention away from that i mean again that's just nato's you know, interventionism and expansionism, like boomeranging back on the populace at home, right? So that that was the only point I wanted to make because boomerang made me think of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it is the case in both situations. Is it worth considering that maybe 9-11 was worth it just for the memes? Uh, one of my favorite things was seeing people say, man, I wish we had had Twitter when Reagan died because could you imagine 
Like, I mean, just seeing the queen die, and then uh, what was the reason when Gorbachev as well, of course. The pizza man. So, Steve, I want to ask you first and foremost about the queen's death. So what's it like over there? Well, no, you're here in the States, but I mean, what's it like for your native friends, I suppose? Well, I mean, I, you know, I've obviously been celebrating since it happened, but um, I think I've been pretty disappointed by how, I mean, no matter what their politics are, like everybody's taken this sad view of it. Um, you know, where I'm from in England's a pretty left, left-wing area, and even they like released all these statements about how sad they were, and there's like no, you know, like just as one example, football got postponed this weekend. Um, and there's like no thinking of the impact of like people that have these jobs that work in football stadiums. That's their only source of income. They're, you know, most are working class and, and, and poor and, you know, they're going to completely lose their income for as long as they do this. And how much are we going to spend on this funeral? So there's no looking at like the material aspects of it. It's just all oh, this wonderful lady died. And again, they don't look at all the horrendous things the monarchy's done both while she was in power and before that, which she has continually refused to, you know, apologize for. So I think, you know, it's... Alone and do. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a massive, just everybody's very depressed. Like, I talked to my dad, and he didn't know she died when I talked to him, because he lives in the States as well. And I said, she's, you know, the queen died. He was like, oh, that's so terrible. I was like, don't mourn these people. <laughs> just, this, is, this, is a ha- this is a happy day. And then he was like, you can't take that opinion. And then, and then I kind of explained what I just did. And he goes, oh, that's actually quite a good point. So, but yeah, I mean, everybody is, I mean, you know, I know three people that have met the queen, one of which is my mother and just not like spoken to her, but just been in her presence or whatever. And they're all very, very sad when it happened. And uh, I think that is the overall attitude is just how, what, a, what a terrible day it is. And there's no look, you know, this should be the, the point where we get rid of this stupid family and this stupid monarchy, but um, they're just going to let it continue. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty depressing. Maybe it's time to get the IRA back together, boys. <laughs> well, I think the good things are going to come out of this is like Scotland will probably get independence now. Hopefully Ireland will be, become unified. You know, those are the potential good things. Um, can, I, can I ask Steve something? Is that okay? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, of course. So, Steve, um, I've read a lot about, I guess, the, the Irish unification movement, a lot on the IRA, and I actually researched a lot on the splits in the Republican movement. But one thing I've noticed that whether it's the INLA, IRA, uh, IPLO, a lot of them are kind of celebratory about Britain no longer being a Brexit because they see Irish unification more possible. And that kind of it clicked in my mind when you mentioned Scottish independence. So do you think that, you know, that could also affect the, the Irish situation now with the death of the Queen, you know? Like, do you think they'll cause a surge of Irish nationalism? I know that the Queen was very against freeing, you know, Bobby Sands and a lot of the hunger striking. So I wanted to know your take on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think definitely. I think Brexit was the, the first kind of catalyst for this. You know, I think some... The majority of Scotland voted to stay in Europe and Ireland as well. And like the obviously the Ireland situation is was when they voted for Brexit, it's complicated with the border. And that was like a a big political, politically contentious point. But yeah, I I definitely think it will. I think getting out of, you know, Ireland's part of the EU, Northern Ireland wanted to stay in the EU. Scotland wanted to stay in the EU. 
And the queen was like the last kind of figurehead of this old empire. So yeah, I, I do think that that'll that, I, and I hope it it leads to, and I think it'll drive a you know a, a uh, it'll reinforce the drive for independence for both Scotland and then the unif- unification of Ireland. To fight our law, that means our day will come in Gaelic. Even just from like you know talking about the complications that Brexit imposes upon you know the the split in Ireland. I mean, just from like a to, to give a very vulgar anecdote, I think like. Guinness is like brewed in Waterford, which is in like the south of Ireland, but actually like bottled or canned in like Northern Ireland. So even just like stuff like that makes it very complicated from the perspective of just like commerce on the island. Right. So, I mean, you know, even like national, you know, nationalism and desires to unify a side, there's going to be some like real economic tensions coming to a head if, you know, something like that actually goes through. Right. With Brexit specifically. You said vulgar, uh, and I just assumed you were going to like grossly misinterpret marks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to see if you guys had any other uh, highlights from your episode that you did around the Jubilee for like atrocities that the Queen is responsible for, directly or indirectly, or anything like that, that we could just trash her for. I mean, that's what we're here to do. We're here to quote today. I mean, this is like a great <laughs> week to do this episode. We got 9-11 and the death of the Queen all in the last couple of days. It's like, woof. Well, I, I do know that I read somewhere there was like since her coronation, there have been like 24 instances of war that England has engaged in um, okay. just since her coronation. Girl wow. boss. <laughs> Slay queen, literally. Yeah. <laughs> we also celebrated the Iban. Um, do you guys ever read about the Malayan emergency? In Malaysia, where there was a communist rebellion? No. Um, the Iban were a tribe of people in Malaysia and also in uh, Indonesia, but the Iban had a group known as a warrior class known as the Headhunters. And the British SAS and the Iban would practically decapitate people in public. It's well documented. They said that like, out of the, uh, the Communist Party of Malay, uh, that was the name before Malaysia. But of uh, my life, yeah, my life, that's a better way of pronouncing it. Um, out of their gorillas, it said that like thousands of them were just publicly beheaded by these Iban. And the Queen of England, she gave a bunch of them like uh, the, the British equivalent of a medal of, of the American Medal of Honor. So it's like she practically invoked our supported, I would argue, the <laughs> the OG version of ISIS, you know. So it's like, imagine how many innocent people were decapitated in front of people, and this woman supported it. So, you know, it's like, yeah. why should we even, like, cry about some Anglo journalist in Iraq when this woman has supported literal, like, savagery, you know? And she was in her 20s when that happened, by the way. This is, like, the 50s, so she's, like, a young person. She's not some old, decrepit person. She was enthusiastic when she supported me, you know, so I just wanted to say that. Yeah, and then like fifty-two to was it sixty? She, you know, she was in charge when they suppressed the Mau Mau revolution or rebellion in, in oh, Kenya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. seventy-five thousand Kenyans died in concentration camps, literally. Yep, and then there's also now like the, I've I've got a book that I haven't read it all yet, but um, this historian did a lot of research to show how many documents the both the monarchy and the government 
destroyed to cover all that up and it's just now come out like what was it like 10 years ago nick i think we talked about it things like 2012 yeah. when they uncovered all that so you know not only was you know she monarch when all this happened but she obviously knew about them destroying all these documents and then there's lots of stories about when you know because the the empire was starting to end and you know after the first world war but it really basically completely ended during her reign and there's lots of stories about the you know the, the foreign office just just getting rid of as many documents as they could from about the atrocities the British had, you know, yeah. done over the years. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. What you're referencing, it's known as Operation Legacy. Mm -hmm. And it actually ran from the 1950s into like the 1970s. And it, yeah. it was an active operation to clean the history of the British Empire, more or right. less. Yep. Yeah. And I guess just more broadly, I think to all these points is that, you know, we need to understand that the monarchy is not some like powerless figurehead, you know, institution, right? Like they're still, you know, the head of state within the Commonwealth, which I think is still, what is it, Steve, like 26 nations or something like that throughout the world, right? Yeah, and so. what that means is that they can effectively appoint a governor general who is like the queen's representative on the ground, right? So Canada's got like the queen's representative, right? And all these like places still in the Caribbean, there's a ton of them, right? And we mentioned it off the top, we were talking about, I think, Granada, right? And that governor general actually played like a pretty integral role in the U.S. intervention, in the island and the governor general after the u.s intervened and through overthrew the marxist leninist party that had come to power there the governor general essentially kind of took charge but again like you know representing the queen as the you know representative of the head of state as part of the commonwealth there so it's it's not like some powerless position so it's not like you know the fact that she died and the fact that she's been in power for this long still does mean something yeah well and what was the other one was it golf in australia like the yeah. first socialist that got elected, the governor general worked with yeah, the queen to, to, yeah, to get him to get rid of him. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, she's she's used her power to to reinforce capitalism for how for whatever, 70 years that she's been in power. Yeah. And then um, there's a guy named Mukesh Kapila. He's a and he's like a Indian British, just, you know, a rapper, actually, of Western imperialism. He was the UN envoy to Rwanda, and, and he's been kind of like his off the radar. I mean, not a lot of people blamed him, but the UN office that was in Rwanda are responsible for the Rwandan genocide, including the French. They exacerbated the situation, poorly handled the refugees' protection. But Mukesh has now become like this big propagandist for like the TPLF in Ethiopia and British imperialism, and he turned off on his Twitter replies for this tweet he made where he said, you know, like it or not, more decolonizations and more independence was recognized under Queen Elizabeth than any monarch previously. And like anyone with even like the IQ past 70 would know that the reason the British were less likely to fight a, uh, a war of containment when independence because they watched the French and the Portuguese fucking get their asses handed to by the Vietnamese and by the, uh, what's it called? By the Guineans in Africa and Angolans, respectively. Like, they barely, barely were able to defeat the Mai Lai Communist Rebellion. They were barely able to defeat the Yemeni um, Rebellion during the Aden Emergency. By the way, we call it the Aden Emergency. That's 
that's how the British saw it because they didn't want the world to think that there was an active rebellion happening around the world. That's why all Western academia, they never say the My Lai independence movement or the Aiden independence war. They say the Aiden emergency and the My Lai emergency. And that's how imperialistic the monarchy was, is that even the way language was spoken about on those conflicts is always Western dominated in terms of its ideology. And what happened in the Aiden emergency in my life? Did they militarily win? Yeah, because you outnumbered them 50 to 1 and you had air power. But what ended up happening was the British, they made concessions to the royal bourgeois in Malaysia, and they gave them their independence as like, yeah, we couldn't keep them as a colony, but we did beat the communists. And in Aiden, they gave it over to sultans and religious religious landowners and then Yemen went into another civil war because the true fighters of independence, the leftists, they fought against those people, those uh, monarchs. Um, and it split into two. You know, there's a South Yemen and a North Yemen. So, no, the British, like, the only reason they didn't fight as ferociously as the Portuguese and the French is because they lost their biggest the chunk of their economy, which was India. And India was more than willing to support independence movements, especially British ones, because this was the time of uh, Nehru and, and uh, what's it called, um, uh, Indira Gandhi. Both of them have supported anti-colonial movements, and they would have loved to support an anti-British one. So what England did was they said, you know what, we'll just like quietly give you independence, but we'll, uh, we'll just do cloak and dagger, you know, subversion. So that's what I that's why we read uh, neocolonialism, right? Yeah, yeah, they're they're the ones. They're more cloak and dagger about it. The French and the Portuguese, they were really uh, blood and soil. They fought brutally, and they got their asses kicked in the most brutal way possible. You know. Yeah, so I wanted to, um, I guess, just wrap it up with the Queen. I guess um, my favorite meme of all was the Argentinian uh, television presenter celebrating when he just popped up in the champagne. Oh my god, that was fantastic because. This, the Spanish subtitles, like, I, I don't speak it, so I just had to go by that. But then the amount of people who were saying that the Spanish somehow made it better because it was exactly, like, they didn't pull any punches with the subtitles. Like, this bastard bitch, like, this. <laughs> it was really, really funny. It was my favorite thing by far. And I can totally understand it because of, like, the Falkland Islands War. It's like, people in the comments were like, why do why do Argentinians hate uh, the Queen so much? Like, what the fuck do they care? It's like, well, if you learn your history, you can, uh... And we talked about it a little bit, like, very briefly when we talked about, uh, Margaret Thatcher, we just talked about the Falkland Islands War, but it's just another atrocity that was overseen by the Queen. I was equally blown away about the Gulf Whitlam affair, the, the quote-unquote constitutional crisis that we just talked about recently with uh, Jared on our Australian part two. And uh, yeah, I mean, but even if none of that were true, even if it was just like the Queen was a, a legitimately anti-colonial force in her own empire, even if she had actually put her energy toward that, regardless, she still lived an incredibly long life just as a parasite. As like a, the, one of the biggest landlords in the world, doing no work, producing absolutely nothing, as a parasite off of her subjects. The fact that she has fucking subjects in this day and age. But yeah, so I, I would fault her just for that, even if none of the other things had been true. I do want to. Uh, did somebody else have something? Sorry. I was just. I was going to say. I think it's funny that there are people that are actually surprised that people are like cheering the demise of the queen. I mean, just to put it into context, England has invaded 171 of the world's 193 countries. There are very few countries that 
haven't been invaded by England. So people being surprised that people are like cheering and celebrating is honestly more surprising to me. It's like, you should expect this. This is arguably like the world's largest bully and exploiter and spreader of colonialism and imperialism. It's amazing. The world's not being, you know, more united uh, on the other side of the 171 countries that have been invaded by this one. So I don't know. I, I just think it's kind of silly, um, but in a more in inverse fashion that people actually are surprised people are celebrating this. Yeah. And to accentuate that point, Jamie, like she reigned over a period which was most riddled with like decolonial efforts in the history of the, of the world. Right. I mean, and it has to be right because that's the point of time where that we're at, but like, of course she's going to be a polarizing figure, right? All these people in the 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond are fighting against this fucking bitch. Sorry, but like it's, it's insane. Exactly. I guess my other would be tying into what I said before about this person just living as a parasite for her entire life. Again, it's another Chapo take. Like, she did win. You know what I mean? Like, nobody actually guillotined this person. Like, nobody held her accountable for any of the atrocities she was responsible for or any of the leeching that she directly did. And then to bring up Kissinger again, it's like, yeah, he already won. And I think it's kind of ironic. Like, I almost want to put it out there that it would be better to just publish all those, like, mean, sarcastic obituaries that you have. Just publish them now while he's alive to see it. Like, wouldn't that be better to, like, really get at this person? It's like, since you have the internet now you live in the day and age where you could put this shit on the internet and he may see it like he may actually see that you were calling him out for the fucking mile massacre like you know how you want to give obituaries for good people like you want to tell the people that you love in your life like all the things that you would say at their funeral i think ideally we should try to do that for like our older loved ones especially it's like we should also tell the people in power just how fucking evil we all know that they are and how much we are going to relish when they finally shuffle off this mortal coil I mean, have we ever stopped doing that with Kissinger? <laughs> True. I mean, Kissinger, it's been more easy to expose. Um, and it's more accepted, like, amongst even the center right. Like, if you remember Christopher Hitchens, who pretended to be a leftist in the 90s and then became a neocon near the end of his life, like, it became, like, a part of the liberal uh, apothecon. To not like Kissinger because he's nasty or it's because he's uh, he doesn't fit the liberal mold. But the problem is, is that when the liberals attack Kissinger, they attack him on very, very hollow grounds. You know what I mean? It's kind of like how they're anti-Vietnam War. It's not because it's inactive on, on imperialism. It's because it's a waste of resources. So, for example, Kissinger advocated for the bombing of Cambodia. And the liberals don't like him because those bombings killed innocent people. They don't like him because the uh, bombings still led to, like, at least I think about four to 5,000 pilots getting shot out of the sky, which they deserved, in my opinion, because they were bombing. They were bombing civilians, you know, like half a million Cambodians died. And I'm not trying to say some people use that as an excuse to defend Pol Pot. No, he was evil, but they single handedly killed more people. In that span of a couple of uh, wee months, and the people that died, you know, from the Vietnam War in general, like per capita, it was the deadliest place to be on earth because of those bombings. So it's like, you know, liberals don't care about that. They'd say, oh, he, he made American die, you know? 
You know what I also wanted to say earlier about 9-11 and I forgot to pitch in was even if you wanted to be not conspiratorial in any way whatsoever, the fact that the U.S. was perfectly willing to let 3,000 people a day die of COVID uh, should give you some indication as to what the U.S.'s priorities are as to whether they actually care about civilians being killed. Um, and that's not even an original take. That is literally just what every, you know, Marxist meme page worth their salt is posting today. It's like, yes, this is very fucking obvious. The U.S. is not going to be flying fuck about you. They will happily sacrifice you and your loved ones' lives for profit if that opportunity is available. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if that sheds any light on people who we would consider normies who just believe the 9-11 story, but it should at least let you know that it's a possibility. You know what I mean? Even if the, the infrastructure is not there, even if the organizational ability is not there to orchestrate 9-11. Yeah, just to call it back to earlier, but uh, I wanted to see if uh, anybody else had any other topics. Otherwise, we might start to uh, wrap it up. I know I had another thing that I kind of wanted to mention, but I wanted to see if Brad left Dad's mic was working because uh, we mentioned. Um, uh, sorry, what's up? Sorry. Did you want to talk about the thing that happened in PCUSA? Yeah, yeah. Do you have that uh, link or that uh, thing that we could talk about? Because I remember mentioning that earlier this week, too. Yeah, yeah. I, you want me to send you the link by the PCUSA, like the party? Do you have it with you? Could you just like read some of it so we can get it on the audio for the listeners? I'm gonna read it, but I'm also gonna send it to you if there's one part you want to cover. I'm gonna post in the voice chat. Okay. Yeah. So, um, long story. Like this is just a summary. There's a lot of Angelo and the PUSA. They basically decided to break the law and also like just do act like a bunch of red tubers back in the Lefty days where they just decided to dox um, and just post people's full name and addresses online, and also defend rapists, just like you know, read many bread tuber, you know, like Bosch. Uh, and uh, I'll, 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 uh, I'll cover the uh, main paragraph here, and, you, and I'll, anyone who asks questions, just ask me right now. I'm, I'm, by the way, um, I'm not representative. It's, I am a member of a not three-party formation that is mentioned in this web, uh, web article. Um, I, these things I say are not their opinions. It's just I'm just uh, like ex- extrapolating the information they left. So I'll just read the paragraph right now. And by the way, these are my own opinions. Whatever takes I make in the next couple of minutes. Ever since our departure from the Party of Communist USA, members of our organization have been subject to continuous threats and harassment. Recently, this has culminated in one of our members being reported to their places of work reported to the FBI, an email, an FBI email address subscribed to our mailing list. Link for the People's School for Marxist-Lenis Scubby's uh, meeting shared on 4chan to be raided. Uh, this was compounded by the CPUSA's uh, willingness to conceal a alleged pedophile and rapist in their rank and file. And for the 4chan thing, we had a school on Marxist-Lenis studies and we had a person basically flash his ass. He was trying to also flash his dick, but we were able to kick him off. But, like, that's the caliber of people they brought to radar, you know, radar classes and whatnot. Sounds about right. Yeah, so which one do you guys want me to cover? It's very long, so there's workplace reporting, police reporting, FBI reporting, or the harassment. I already talked about the fortune or the rapist. Like, which one do you think you guys, just so we have good time? Should I cover? Do you guys want the, me to um, cover? Do the FBI reporting. I want to see why they would report people to the FBI or, or with how the FBI was involved, if you could. All right, let me see. Yeah. 
Does anyone know the phrase glowy? Yeah. Yeah, that's usually it, like that, the right wing. I feel like that's yeah. what the Zoomers... Is that a Zoomer thing? I always hear I Zoomers use that phrase. I assume the name glowy comes from the fact that, you know, an FBI jacket, it glows like the, the letters. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where it's from. Okay, and a member or an affiliate of PCUSA signed up the ACB American Council of Bolsheviks, that's the three-party formation I'm affiliated with, email list with a contact with the contact information of an FBI office in an attempt to expose the ACB to the FBI. And they show, like, the FBI thing, they show the SMS and email and everything. They had to blur it out because they didn't want people's... They didn't want the, you know, the email list to go out to anyone. Because you know how 4 channels and whatnot. Rick, uh, Rick had a question. What's up, Rick? So it's PC USA. That's a new party. Is that like the hottest people, or what is that? No, 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 no. You're thinking of CPI. That's a separate uh, party. Okay. Um, so PC USA. I'll give you like a 30, 40 second uh, lore, lore uh, explanation of the origin story of PC USA. PC USA is basically um, a party that split off from the CP USA um, after a. Like falling out of opinions by Angelo D'Angelo, who was in the Central Committee of CPUSA, and he built his own party up called the Party of Communist USA. Uh, Angelo has broken democratic centralism multiple times. And if I was among the CPUSA, I mean, I was a member of the Central Committee of LYC, the League of Young Communists, and I was a member of the International Department. Um, I was supposed to defend somebody on charges and you know angelo was like well we're not going to have any uh, investigations and we're going to defend the party and then slowly anyone who tried to fix the party was kicked out and that's why i'm giving you the background on me like me i was kicked out on the basis that i was part of a faction but really that translated to is i was trying to inquire through the proper channels what was going on and then um there was so far two i guess you could i would argue like i would I think they consider. I think I think ACB would be considered as a split group, but um, there were two groups. There's Communist Workers Platform, based in their chapter in Florida, um, and then there's the uh, American Council of Bolsheviks. And um, uh, again, like I don't know their ideology. I don't know. I mean, it's not that I don't know their ideology. I don't know their praxis yet. So, as a member, and to just respect democratic centralism, I don't want to kind of dive deeper into ACB yet, because I still want to respect democratic centralism. Uh, but, um, yeah, this has happened twice. Uh, actually, three times. There's another party called People's Revolutionary Party, PRP. They're also a split. So they, Angelo has witnessed his party fracture three times, and now they are down to about 20 people. Or no, 40 people out of uh, 300. that they've just continuously lost because they don't know how to respect other people's point of view. But yeah. Anyone else want to also ask a question? Well, no, I wanted to see, I mean, this wasn't in any way related to the Caleb Malpin drama. This is like a totally separate issue. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, Chris, do you know the candidate Chris Olali that got big a couple of months ago, last year? Uh, he was running a uh, yeah, He was on our show and we don't have that episode up online anymore. Yeah. Basically, Halali, um, he... He was basically running 
one of he was actually responsible for the Florida club splitting off. He was their ringleader quietly. What what Halali wanted to do was unseat Angelo and use the numbers that the Florida club had to vote him out. You know what I mean? And um, when that failed, he basically pretended to not know what they were. And he was like, you know, fuck around to find out. You know, you guys, you guys thought you could do a fast one. In reality, they were being completely ordered around and told by Halali himself. And um, just of what happened was, is uh, he tried to keep the leader of the Florida club in the party as a comrade in bad standing, which means it's like you sit in the timeout chair, you know, in a party. Basically, they take your yeah. powers away. You're, you're still you're just sitting in the corner with your face in the wall, wearing a dunce cap, basically. Um, and the guy, the, the bad publicity to blow over, I guess. Like, yeah, and like, yo, he's back in the park. Oh, you know, we're, I removed your suspension, but the guy left and he started his own thing called CWP. Uh, and ACB, the problem with a, the thing about ACB that makes it different is that there were people in leadership that basically decided to. Um, branch off and do their own thing. And again, I'm part of it, so I don't want to speak on them and break democratic centralism, but that's the situation right now in the party, um, in their group, pre-party formation. Uh, was there another question maybe about the rapist or the... Uh, that's the one that, like, I thought people already knew, but I guess it's, like, even more... Well, I mean, yeah, we must now. recover that one, too, while we're at it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a LGBT commission and a women's commission and one of the LGBT commission members was a self-admitted uh, rapist. And, and I, I don't know about the pedophilia part, but uh, there was an accusation that this person had tried to uh, have like a sexual relationship or tried to groom a, a underage member in PCUSA. And um, many members of the Women's Commission tried to ask them to leave. And Angelo, like, ferociously defended them to stay in the party. Um, and they basically tried to use the homophobia card to, um, um, they tried to pull a Kevin Spacey, basically. Yeah. Saying, you know, hey, I'm gay. <laughs> you know, like, I gups. You know, like, he jumps on the ground and yells, I'm gay. And um, it's fucked up because, one, it, it, you're, you're putting the groomer, uh, queer person pipeline myth on steroids when you do dumb shit like that, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, he just quietly left because people were not dealing with them, even with Angelo's threats. And um, that kind of made people less and less like Angelo. It's well known that, like, the party chair, Christian Bovey, his dad is in the law enforcement. His dad is a member of the La Policia, and one of it is community outreach when it comes to, like, uh, just keeping tabs on communities. So the fact that this guy's at the center of it, pushing Angelo to do all these kickings and moving, removing people from the party, a lot of people have just commonly accepted that he's the wrecker. And then Angelo's just like a senile old man, you know, trying to hold on to a party, you know, trying to get some power that he didn't have in the CPUSA. And it, he's basically took away any party member that gave a shit about that party. Like, they dropped from nearly 300 people down to 40. And all of them are, are were like me last year, last, last year, in 2021, during the summer, at just, like, what's it called? We're, like, like basically in a class with the phone on and then, like, kind of playing Halo 
and just pretending to be there so they can get the participation point. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of them don't give a fuck. And some of them, and I don't mean this to be mean, they, when you hear their voice, they sound like they lack a lot of social interaction in their uh, lives, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's, it's really like, I feel bad in a way. That's like kind of like their only conversation they have with people. So for them, no, I think another important yeah. thing to point out here is like, like you said, Christian, the stereotype and the myth that's being propagated by the far right about the uh, the LGBT community and groomers. And it's like the reality is that we are the first people to call this shit out. Like we, yeah. we on last week's episode too, and it's like the left is the first to call out people in its own in its own group that are accusing people that are dangerous to other people that you know want to target people who cannot consent because they're minors whatever it's like we are the first people to call that out because we actually like care about that shit like we try to protect people and it's like it's so fucked up that you have to that like the right has to selectively you know pick and choose and cherry pick all these instances and then make hashtags about it and all this bullshit it's like we all know what the right supports we all know the right are like going to church every weekend and we all know what that organization does and it's like they are literally funding the largest worldwide or worldwide organization of child abusers ever and then trying yeah, to point I mean, other people it's like yeah in what states have freakishly low like age of consent it's in republican states yeah. like this isn't even a meme uh, and the thing is is uh like they're also like when it comes to marriage laws they're very like this is like the you know want to have like in the like in the Bible that land on a hill, you know what I mean? And they want it to be like you know Billy the construction nineteen year old construction worker, um, you know he's an upright Christian man with a big cross, gold cross on around his neck, um, that throws the humble fourteen year old Stacy, you know, and that's fine because they're these good Christians and they're always that certain complexion if you catch what i mean i don't want to be racial about it but you know but they have to keep away from all these secular villains out here trying to have sex with women their own fucking age because as long as they're good christian folk it's perfectly fine to be a literal pedo you know and it really fucking disgusts me because that's the right wing whether it's in america in the middle east in you know yeah yeah like that's their mo it's like being a fucking reactionary being a fucking, like, fuck women's rights, uh, you know? It's kind of funny why, like, Reuters and Nick Fuentes and all these white supremacists, they talk about white Sharia. It's like, it makes perfect sense because you and these ISIS people are, like, hardcore down to be, like, with little kids and shit because you're just as much of a groomer pedo as they are, you know? I actually forgot about Nick Fuentes and the groupers until you just mentioned him. Like, that's... I haven't thought about that guy in months, and it's making me realize like how far the media cycle has gone from that. But now that you say that, it's oh, probably not time for them to uh, make another appearance. I bet that they're going to be some kind of like viral thing involving them soon. Yeah, Nick Fuentes, he lost his whole community because all these Reifers were not ready to lose their entire uh, job prospects, their ability to hold any money in any banks, and having themselves on a flight list, unlike Nick, who gets seven to eight thousand dollars in donations from them and there's a guy named patrick casey who had who used to be the head of identity europa before nathan domingo and a hissy fit um trashed the group because he didn't want to not be leader anymore but patrick casey kind of explained in detail that like oh you should have warned us that we're gonna lose our jobs 
We were going to lose any relationship we had with people. People are going to disavow us because they know that we're Nazis. And, you know, it's funny because he doesn't hear the irony in his voice, you know, that I'm going to be on a flight list. We're not. No. And by the way, literally all of them, nearly all of uh, Nick Fuentes' little Breuper army are on flight list now. Like, and then when Nick started getting that shit, then he started disavowing Breuper's. But he, like, I have to be honest, I don't like them. I, they're fucking white skinhead dumbasses. But he did fuck up the lives of his fans. Because now all their lives are fucked up because they're on FBI watch list. You love to see it. I do think it's funny because, like, what we're talking about now, I mean, we were talking about how the, the United States or, you know, the CIA or whatever always likes to find that domino that they can push that results in, you know, the most collateral damage. And we started talking about 9-11, and now we're talking about how we have these organized far-right like militias, these splinter groups, like that's all related. That was, you know, that if you look at the the dominoes falling in a row, like where we're at now is like the Patriot Front. They have that new video that just came out where they're they're organizing like large scale group tactics, like in concert, and you know, like that. It, it all started with like nine eleven and like the the series of events and how it played out and where we are now. And I just I just find it fascinating how we ended up here organically. But it's it the topics are extremely you know what they go hand in hand. Can I also ask like like how old were you guys when nine eleven happened? Like I was a senior like, in high school. You were in high school, but like imagine being indoctrinated by the media. I cannot imagine that. I cannot imagine that living in It was wild to watch. I was in middle school. Imagine being indoctrinated by this. And we all were. Like, we were indoctrinated by the 9-11 media, you know? Do you remember when they had, like, orange, red, yellow, like, buttons? They were like, oh, oh today's a uh, yellow button. You know? Like, this yeah, is wild. threat levels. Oh, my God. I, yeah. No, I grew up because, I mean, not to be like the baby of the group or whatever but like i was in middle school when this happened like i remember they paused the the tv in class and they were yeah. like everyone's watching this hell yeah we all watch hundreds of people you know thousands of people die you know on national live television yep i was there with it what age are you when you go to daycare like you're four right yeah yeah, yeah so the closest thing that I remember, I guess not in daycare or like somewhere around that time, where I was like in daycare, you're kind of like sitting down, like on a little, yeah, crisscross applesauce, sit on the rug. They help, they let you watch TV. I remember like the daycare attendant like telling me something like that, and like people crying, and I was a little kid and I got scared, but I didn't cry. I just like was like really weirded out, so I kept leaving the room to watch TV. Because these grown ass people like are just making me sit in a room with them while they're crying, right? And like that's my closest memory to nine eleven when I was four. But that's about it. That's so traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah, like me, I was like, "Can I please go watch TV now?" Like, I don't know what y'all are doing, bro. It's got nothing to do with me. Yeah. I just think like talking it out, like as a kid, like makes a lot of sense for people. Like, we all didn't make sense of it when we were kids, so. so. Everything's just, like, supposed to be normal. Like, 
Yeah, well, exactly. Like, everything that we were brought up around, like we're we're taught this is how it's supposed this to be. This is how it is. Not it's, it's been different for every generation too, but people really they they teach it with their full chest and everyone accepts it. And 9-11, yeah. Everyone <laughs> accepts 9-11. It was like and a it's... holiday. Like Yeah. Oh, I make it a meme holiday, but yeah. I did just want to say like uh to tie in the 9-11 conspiracy potential, I would say it's entirely possible and I would be very easily convinced that there is a domestic gladio operation going on. And that's what's responsible for all the three percenters, the Patriot Front, all the far-right militias. But at the same time, just like 9-11 could have been the U.S. fucking around and finding out, all those militias could just be directly responsible for the U.S. being founded on fucking genocide and white nationalism. You know what I mean? Like it could also be just be a natural outgrowth. It does not have to be a conspiracy. It's just what the U.S. breeds because that is what the U.S. is founded on. So I will not be surprised when you turn out to be right on that. Yeah, I mean, we could easily find out in 30 years there's a domestic gladio, of course. Either way, 9-11 sucks. Isn't it also known that that the Patriot Front, a lot of them are glowies? But there was a video showing them, like, goofball and their little goofball um, uniform and everything. Um, Their shitty khakis with their shitty boots and, like, balakalva. And they're like neo-fash march that like in the middle and i live near dc and but they were like all running into a van single file with no license plate and knowing capitol police it's like virtually it's impossible to drive in dc with an expired plate or expired inspection let alone no plates and you're moving in a loud crowd in single file all uniform like very vibrant red white and blue uniform and um the funny thing is, also, when some of them got arrested, they were doing what AOC did when she pretended to be arrested, where you put your hands back mm-hmm. and you put your sleeves really low so you can't see the wrists of somebody to make it seem like they got arrested. But, like, some of them were just, like, directed by the cops to, like, they were pointed to go into the truck, and then they would get up, remove their hands from the back, from the, from the back of their waist, and run, like, there was not even handcuffs there, like, one guy, when he was recording it, like the the guy just got straight up handled by one of the Capitol Police. So I'm not saying Patriot Front is bad; we shouldn't worry about them. But I wouldn't be surprised because you have exactly. to remember, Cointel Pro literally the FBI worked with the KKK to do the Queensboro massacre. You know where the KKK and the FBI like basically massacred the CLP, CLP, the Communist Labor Party. You know, when they were organizing workers in West Virginia, or I think it was either Alabama, I don't remember. Yeah, well, I mean, we're at about an hour, so we should wrap it up, but it's good to know as any to end on. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I would like to tie it in together. It's just like, none of these things have to be conspiracies. They could all just be natural outgrowths of the U.S. reaping what it has been sowing for a long time. But yeah, we can also just be happy that the U.S. is sowing its own destruction, because that's the only thing that can happen when you start with a contradictory society. You cannot have a society founded on the contradictions of capitalism, genocide, and white nationalism, and have it last. It's just going to collapse. Like, and this is what collapsing empires look like. It looks like them trying to start wars in every direction that they can, because that's profitable, and it's the only way to sustain it. And itself. 9-11 memes are okay. 9-11 memes are fucking hilarious, dude. As are the memes. <laughs> and I'll wait to get back to it. Speaking of which, for the, for those see you guys on Instagram. 11-9. 11-9, oh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. This was a great full house, and I really appreciate it. I will put everyone's links to all the social medias in the uh, show notes, of course. And so please, everybody, uh, check out everyone's social media.
Thank you guys all again. Appreciate it. Later. Adios. Bye. Have a great night.